Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 6. And we're going to start reading in verse 45. It's a long chapter, so we've been here a few weeks, haven't we? Lord has been doing a lot of great stuff throughout the Gospels. And remember that uh, last Sunday, we looked at the verses just before this, uh, Jesus had fed 5,000 men plus women and children with a little boy's sack lunch. Prior to that, he has uh, sent his disciples out to preach uh, the Gospel and bring healing. Uh, and he's done that in various places. Uh, done a lot of great things. And the disciples were there and experienced all of it. And yet they still didn't get it. Uh, And they're not going to get it uh, for a little while longer. They really didn't fully get it until after the Holy Spirit came, after the day of Pentecost. And then they seemed to finally say, oh, this must be what Jesus was talking about. Uh, And they they began to, to get it perhaps a little bit better. Uh, but before we fault the disciples, uh, you know, let's remember we're that way a lot of times too. Uh, we see God be faithful to us and to others in the past, and then when we come into circumstances, we totally forget that we serve a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and that we serve a God that's the great physician and Lord of Lord and King of Kings, so that no matter what situation comes uh, into our life, uh, he's able to do something about it. Uh, And oftentimes, going to him uh, in prayer and asking his help is our last resort, rather than our first response. And that's when we fall into trouble. And that's what got the disciples into trouble today, as we'll see in just a minute. So, verse 45 of Mark chapter 6, says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, uh, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining at the rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed by them. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them, and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, 
ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into the villages, the cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as they touched him, they were made whole. A marvelous reminder of the power and the grace of God uh, and how it can work in our lives if we'll let it. The disciples had made a few mistakes in, uh, the, as they were prone to do and again as we're prone to do. And they forgot what Jesus had done. And in fact, they forgot even what they had done. Remember, they had cast out demons and they had healed people and uh, preached the gospel uh, and people gladly received them, um, that, that message, and found new life. They had been a part of that. And yet, when trouble was going to come in the middle of the night, they'd forgotten all about that. And they were scared. They had forgotten an important reality that hopefully we'll take a hold of this morning uh, and not forget it like the disciples uh, have done. Now, something interesting to me about this is uh, Mark uh, likely wrote down the words of Peter. This is actually Peter's gospel, more than likely. Um, Peter was very likely the source. John Mark uh, was likely the scribe that wrote this down. And it's, if that's the way it is, that's very interesting because this story in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 and following leaves out a very important incident. You'll remember from reading Luke and uh, Matthew's account of this, that as they saw this ghost on the water, and they were afraid, and when Jesus got closer, he heard them, the disciples heard Jesus say to them, Do not be afraid, for it is I. And you remember Peter cry out and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out into the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter did something that none of the other disciples did. And for a minute did something no other human being has ever done. He jumped out of that boat. And he began to walk on the water. Now remember though, it's stormy out. That's why they were upset already. But they were out on this stormy night, these big waves, and so as Peter jumped in on that boat, he he trusted and obeyed for a minute, but then his doubt set in, didn't it? And his man set in, and he began to look at these big waves. And what happened to him? He began to sink. But then it came back to him. And you remember he cried out, Lord, save me. And Matthew tells that Jesus reached out his hands and lifted Peter back up and they got into the boat. What a marvelous thing. 
And, and what we need to be reminded over and over again as we go through the Gospel of Mark is that God is still the same today as he was then. And if these things are characteristics and abilities of God in the first century, God's still capable of it today in 2023. And so... Let's talk briefly about two mistakes that the disciples made that really clouded their judgment and shows us that they didn't really fully get it, just like we oftentimes don't fully get it. And that first mistake is this. They thought that Jesus was unaware of their situation. Remember, Jesus stays on the land. They had to have at least crossed their minds, well, how's Jesus going to get to the other side? But Jesus had told the disciples, get in the boat, go across the lake to the other side. So they did. Well, the storm came up, and the wind was contrary to In other words, it was, they were trying to row into the wind. Now, when the wind is at your backside, you know, push your, that's pretty good. It's not hard to roll then, because the wind will carry you. But trying to walk, in it, and perhaps, you know, we have some strong winds here in Mississippi occasionally. If it's re- a really super windy day, you ever try to walk into that wind, and you've got to kind of put your, you plant your feet good, and go a little bit slower, and, you know, plant yourself. It's harder. And so the disciples were in this boat. They were accomplished fishermen. So they had the ability to get through stormy water. I'm sure they'd done it several times before. But they rode and they rode and they rode. And we're not making very much progress. So they had left just before dark. And now it's pitch black, the middle of the night. And they still went to the other side. They were tired. They certainly said, you know, Jesus set us on this route. He's safe on the shore. And sent us into this storm. Where's he at? But notice what the Gospels tell us. Jesus knew exactly where they were. He stayed and he prayed. He knew nothing was going to happen to his disciples. Though there were storms coming about and uh, there were big waves and the boat was really rocky, they were perfectly fine. But the disciples didn't know that. And they had forgotten that Jesus was the Son of God. He had proved it to them already in these first few chapters of the Gospel of Mark, but they'd forgotten about it. But again, before we fault them, we are prone to do the exact same things. We are so prone. Wring our hands when situations come. Oh no! How am I going to get through this? I'm going to sink when our reaction should be to go to the Lord and say, God, here's the storm. And you're a God that can still storms. You're a God that can get us safely through and to the other side of the storm. 
understand this, that Jesus knows exactly where you're at. He knows what's going on in your life, and he knows the storms that are brewing in your life. They do not catch him unaware. Jesus, God, Father, Holy Spirit never say, whoops, we didn't see that coming. They know. And by the way, knowing something does not mean that they caused it to happen. They just knew that it was going to happen. But these disciples thought that Jesus was unaware of their situation and they were afraid. When they saw this ghost, this figure coming, walking on the water, it didn't cross their mind that, hey, there's Jesus. He's coming to get us. They were afraid, said, uh-oh, there's this ghost, it's done. we're done for. The superstitious nonsense in the culture that they had been reared up in as fishermen had taken over their brain and their faith. And so they didn't cry out to God to save them, they said, oh my, we're done for. Because they thought Jesus was unaware of their situation. And yet we know he wasn't. And he was on the way. Now would the apostles rather that at the first drop of rain and the first gust of wind that came up, do you think they would have rather Jesus showed up then? Yeah, they would have rather. We have to remember that God comes right on time. Not on your timetable, but on his timetable, and just at the right time. And he waited. They had rowed and rowed and rowed in that boat against the wind for several hours. And now Jesus shows up. And rather than say, oh, there's Jesus, thank goodness. They say, oh my, there's a ghost, this ship surely's going down and we're done for, boys. And they heard Jesus' voice. They had seen Jesus, by the way, calm water before. And here... Only one of them speaks up, as far as we know. And it's Peter. Peter had learned an important lesson in this, but he didn't fully get it, did he? Because in just a few more chapters of the Gospel of Mark, Peter is going to be denying even knowing Jesus. Why did they keep making them stay? They had forgotten that God is God. They had seen Jesus and God's power in them do some amazing things. And yet they said, you know what? God's not here. God can't do anything. They made God the last resort rather than the first instinct. 
Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, think about these lilies in the field. They don't toil and worry about how they're going to grow, how they're going to eat. They're just there. So consider these little sparrows. So I tell you the truth, not one of them falls to the ground that the Father does not know about. And then Jesus says, God loves you even so much that the very hairs on your head are numbered, and God knows how many they are. And he knows what color they really are. Uh, And so uh, we need to remember that important truth. We oftentimes wonder and we say, well, does God even know what I'm going through? And the reality is he does know. And he's right there in the midst. And that leads us to the second mistake the disciples made. They had failed to allow past victory to inform their situation. Now something had just happened a few hours before this. It hadn't happened months or years before this. It had just happened. Remember earlier in Mark chapter 6, it was getting to be after lunchtime, so maybe 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They ate, they fed, Jesus taught some more. They'd probably bring us till, I don't know, maybe 6 or 7 at night. And maybe it started getting dark about 8 or 9. And again, that's just speculation. So, 8 or 9 when it started getting dark and they left from where they were to the other side of the lake. By the time Jesus shows up again, it's 3 or 4 in the the morning. But that's still only 7 or 8 hours since Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with 5 crackers and 2 tiny fish and they rounded up 12 basketfuls of leftovers that had just happened they had just a few days earlier gone about preaching they had just maybe a few weeks earlier seen Jesus raise dead people and cast out demons, and heal people of all kinds of different diseases. That had just happened. But all of that went out the disciples' brains. It wasn't on their radar. They'd forgotten. Why? Because they didn't put their eyes on Jesus and their relationship with God. What they put their eyes on was their circumstances. And can I tell you, any time we do that, we're in trouble. Because our eyes are not on the right thing. And our focus is not in the right place and on the right things. So they saw their troubles rather than their God. Well, again, before we fault them, we better point our fingers right back at ourselves. Because there's not one of you that's not been guilty of the same thing at some point. It's human nature. We're all prone to do it. 
And yet such an important lesson is, you know, that we have to allow. If God was faithful back then, the disciples should have realized if God was with them and God was faithful eight hours ago, he's still faithful now. And by the way, that's why it's so important that we, you know, give God credit and we, you know, give testimony. And, you know, we probably don't do it in church as often as we should. Occasionally we'll have testimony time. And that's why that's so important. Not just for you to be reminded and to give testimony of what God's done in your life, but for others around you to say, you know what? If God can work in that joker's life and God can fix his problems, I'm not near as messed up as he is. God can surely do something to me. God can take care of my situation. We have to constantly remind ourselves that our focus is not to be on our circumstances, but the God that controls the circumstances. And the God that can do something about those circumstances. You see, Jesus got on the boat, and what happened immediately? Right away, the wind stopped. And what had, they had toiled hours just to get probably halfway across the lake. They got the other half pretty quickly. Not just because Jesus was on board, but because the wind had stopped. And now they could really, when they rode, bet it, they had some forward progress. When the disciples got to the New Testament, now, granted, they had the help and the permanent embodiment in, of the Holy Spirit in emboldening and empowering them, just as we do as believers today. But as we find the apostles in the book of Acts, we find a much different set of apostles. Now, there are a couple of them that are different because they're different people. But the group as a whole is different, and their MO is different. Now they know, you know, God's faithful. And God can do this. Human nature is that, especially us as men, we want to fix things. And we think we can fix things by ourselves. A lot of plumbers and a lot of electricians that collect extra fees because husbands have tried to fix it first before calling them. And so they have to undo what the husband did and then fix the problem. So that costs a lot more. You see, we as human beings, we are prone, especially as men, to want to fix stuff. But the reality is we have to remember the only thing we're good at is breaking stuff. The only thing we're good at is making situations and circumstances worse. But we have the plumber of all plumbers and the electrician of all electricians. God Almighty. The one that invented electricity. The one that made water. The one that made land. The one that made me and you. We know him. And we've seen him work in our lives. And we've seen him work around us. So why when circumstances come, do we say, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
Maybe you've said, I know I've said on occasion, I don't know how much more I can take, Lord. But God knows our circumstances. He knows our situations. And He knows us. And He knows how much we're able to handle. The Old Testament Jeremiah uses the example or the illustration of God being a potter. And we being the vessels. And that's a great analogy of how our relationship should be with God. But in our human minds, we get those positions reversed. And you know what? We try to be the potter. And we try to make God the clay. And guess what happens? It doesn't work. It never will work. Because the only thing that can mold a pot is a potter. The pot can't mold itself. It's just a lump of clay without the potter. And we need to understand that if we'll just simply realize we're the pot, but we have a potter that knows what he's doing. Not, not is he just a potter, he's an expert. And he makes some of the most beautiful creations. And his most prized and favorite creations are you and me. The people that are made in his image. And so those two mistakes, we, not just the apostles, but we're prone to make them as well. But here's an important reality. Disciples eventually would learn it, and we need to learn it sooner than later, friends. Jesus can make a difference if we allow him to. Jesus will make a difference in our circumstance. He doesn't mean he'll take the storm away. These disciples rode and rode and rode, probably prayed, maybe, they complained, I'm quite certain. But, oh, what are we going to do? But Jesus came on the scene and changed their circumstances. God is still the same God. Fred... God doesn't have to have done anything in your I think he probably has done things in your life, but he doesn't have to have done anything in your life for you to have faith and trust in him and know. From Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Revelation chapter 22, God has proven himself to be faithful. And he's proven himself to be all-powerful. But not only in God's word has God proven himself to be faithful, but I have a feeling in your life, God, has proven that he's been there. Whether you've recognized it at the time or not, God's always been with you. And the reality is that God, Peter says, is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God desires, and God is calling every single person to come to a relationship with him, to come and trust him as Lord and Savior. The biggest thing that keeps people from that relationship is not false religious beliefs. It's not some kind of heretical doctrine. 
Can I tell you what most of the time the problem is? It's clay wanting to be the potter. It's clay saying, no, I really don't need that potter. I can do it myself. And I tell you that if this inanimate lump of clay had animation, it could sit and it could say, oh, I want to be this beautiful pot. And it can think that all day long. It can even claim it. But it ain't going to change the fact that clay is just a lump of clay until a master potter comes and he puts his hand on that clay and puts that clay on a wheel and begins to spin that clay and begins to mold that clay with his hands into a beautiful pot. It's not God, it's not circumstances that keep us from God. Most of the time it's us not wanting to admit that we need help. Not wanting to admit that we can't do it on our own. But the reality is we will never know peace and we will never know true victory until we come to say, you know what, thank God I'm just a pot. But praise God I know the potter. And I'm fine for him to be the potter and I'm fine for me to be the pot. And when we have that relationship fixed and we are willing to say, hey, that's good, things work a whole lot better for us. Doesn't mean that things are gravy all the time. It doesn't mean there's no problems. It, there will be problems. In fact, all of us can probably testify that when you're trying to follow Jesus Christ and you're walking closely with the Lord, problems get worse. And they get more numerous. But here's the thing even though the problems seem sometimes to multiply and get worse, the reality is God's still able to take care of them if we will let him. When the disciples allowed Jesus to get into the boat, the wind was still, and they got safely to the other side. But here's the thing. So they got to the other side, to that land of Gethsemane. Remember, we've been there already in the Gospel of Mark. A few chapters ago, there was this man that had this uh, bunch of spirits that were inside, remember, legion. And Jesus cast that legion of demons out into a swine of pigs. That's the area that Jesus has returned to. And the people brought those that were sick and those that had all kinds of issues, broken pots. And it says they brought these broken pots on mattresses and they carried them that needed to be carried. And everywhere that Jesus went, whether it was in the middle of town, whether it was out in the edge of town, or whether it was out in the country, people went where Jesus was. And they begged Jesus to do something about their friends. And guess what? He did! And he did, and he did, and he did, and he did. And guess what? If Jesus did, Jesus still does, and Jesus still can. And we need to realize that reality. So no matter what storm you're facing in life today, 
Remember, Jesus can make a difference in it if you'll allow it. You say, well, preacher, things are going good right now. Well, then one of two things is true. Either you just came out of a storm or you're fixing to go in one. But no matter what three of those situations you're in, you need to remember Jesus is the master potter. And you're a lump of clay. But Jesus can take your lump and turn it into a masterpiece if you'll let him. But if you want to try spinning your own self, God's going to let you. You say, all right, Hoss, go ahead. Let's see what you can do. I guarantee you, you ain't making the situation any better. That you're probably going to make it worse. And tell you, you know what? I can't. But I know somebody that can. You see, Paul said in Philippians 4.13, he did not say, I can do all things. He said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Fred, can I tell you, you can do all things. Not on yourself. Not in your pastor's strength, not in your church's strength, but in Jesus Christ's strength. You can do all things. If you will allow him to. He wants to. He wants to be in that mess. And he will be in there if you'll let him. And then God has a way of taking messes and turning them into messages. Tests into testimonies. Only God could do that. And here's the thing. He can if we'll let him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray if there's someone here in this room or someone watching on Facebook or YouTube that doesn't know you, and doesn't, Lord, they, they're just this lump of clay that's not been formed. God, maybe they've been spinning themselves around trying to make themselves into this pot, but they're still this lump of clay. Would you help them today to say, Lord, I surrender to you. My brokenness and my undeservedness I lay at your feet. Thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary to pay my sin debt. And I receive that great gift. And I surrender my life to you. I ask that you would mold me and make me. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today or one watching. And Lord, they've been made and fashioned into this vessel. But Lord, it seems there's getting to be some chips, some cracks. Seems like there's external pressure surrounding that vessel that are going to crush it. God, help us remember you've been faithful in the past. You'll be faithful now. And you'll be faithful in the future. God, help us remember that you are aware of our situation. You know our needs before we even ask. So God, we pray that you would work in our hearts and in our lives and in our world. God, help us to surrender to you, to realize we are the potter and you are the clay. We are not the potter, we're the clay. You are the potter. 
And may we surrender to your beautiful handiwork. Help us respond to you. Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be made into your masterpieces, Lord. We pray, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. If God spoke into your heart, and there's a decision you need to make, today would be a great day.